Okay, in this episode, we talk about winter being here. Do we all believe the doom and gloom Y Combinator Sequoia emails? Or is it just self-serving? The impact of the crossover funds leaving with a big whoosh from the Southeast Asian ecosystem. And finally, what do you do as a founder? Can you create rainbows from the thunderstorm? Apologies to all our listeners. We actually, looking at records, uh, took uh, basically the month of May off. Everybody went traveling. But welcome, welcome. You're listening. Thank you for continuing to listen to the Unreasonable Podcast. We're three venture capitalists based out of Singapore. Vishal Hanal, 500 Global, Michael Blakey of Cocoon Capital, and angel myself. Angel investor extraordinaire. Angel investor extraordinaire, even though he's not an angel <laughs> investor. <laughs> and myself, Hien, from Open Space. Welcome, welcome back. Where has everybody been in the month of May? Vishal, kick it off. You've been traveling Ooh. in America. So it, was, it, was, it was an incredible month. I spent most of it in the US and in Mexico. My younger brother, Adi, got married. His Ooh. beautiful wife, Lisa. Congratulations. Our wedding was in a small town, Todos Santos, in Mexico. Then we went up, had a family vacation in the U.S. in, in Marin, uh, Northern California. Did you disconnect? I disconnected. Oh, my goodness. Wonderfully. Yeah, and I was, I've been off social media for two months, really hitting refresh, just getting back into the swing of things right now. That's we also had our you know 500 global management retreat in Palo Alto right after all of this. So I'm just refreshed and rejuvenated and happy to see all of you fine gentlemen over here. Hi, it's, it's good, good to, to have see you your back. good looking face, man. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Thank and you. your hair is actually your hair is it's, shorter. No, 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 no. Look, yeah. it's out of it's out of place. Come it's, on, it's, sure. I it's was, got that I was Mexican sweat back look. And I uh yeah. I kinda He's let it go a little bit. I know. <laughs> What's going on? You know. Using some new product. It's, uh, it's fail. No, fail. Uh, fail. I, I like it. Gotta... Michael, you've been you've been <laughs> in the UK, right? No, I've not been to the UK, no. I went to Jakarta and it was a very weird experience. I met a founder that I invested in during COVID I'd never met. And so it was just really nice actually to meet her and actually, yes, she is real. And, it, so, and also to like, you, I, I don't know if you guys have had this, it's like, I've been doing this now for 22 years and I've never had a company that has predicted six months ahead of time what they're actually going to do. And they're normally like 50, 60% off. And she was hitting within 4% above or below what she told me she was going to do at the end of last year. Is she, is she not cooking the books? You know, corporate exactly. governance is no, a big exactly. issue nowadays. That was my, that was, that was <laughs> my <laughs> issue. I was like, is, is this for real? I was yeah. like, we've got to double check. We've got to yeah. check that this is all going on. So I arrived there. She was worried that I was upset that she wasn't bang on target. She was like four below last month. And I was like, normally as a seed investor, it's normally like 50, 60% if it's six months down the line after you set your forecast. So I said, I'm very, very happy. You enjoyed the regional travel? So I enjoyed the regional travel. It was much easier. But then sadly, I, I then spent a few days in hospital. So oh. yeah, Oof. there's somebody cut open my neck. I, I an old back injury of mine. So it was a very weird experience. I've got to say, I went to, I could give a shout out to Mount Elizabeth and Avina. Wow. So I went in there for the back surgery. I was, yeah, I'm sure they're all listening to this podcast. Ex- right exactly. I've got to do my, I've got to do my thing for them. You know, I've got to, give, I've got to show them, I've got to show them some respect. Yeah. Come on. It's okay. <laughs> it's a, but I went under, I had what a seven hour operation and they kicked me out about a day and a half later. So I wasn't, well, I think it was yeah, a day and a half later. I, I was out of there, you know, back at home. But I think it was mostly because I was complaining about the lack of internet. 
Now, that, that was the one <laughs> issue that I, I did have. And you know, Mike Fischel, you didn't off, disconnect. I didn't, I didn't disconnect. <laughs> I was signed off for two weeks. He's after. on the operation table. He's like, one second, doctor, before you slip me open, let me just Let me just, <laughs> let me just, let me just docu-sign this, this, this shit. Docu- yeah. sign this. <laughs> just in case they need my signature. <laughs> Don't even laugh about it, because it was kind of like that. I was, oh, my God. I was, I was working three hours after I came to in my, in my room. But then I was, because I had slept for like seven hours. Maybe not on purpose, but I'd slept. So I couldn't go back to sleep. So I was like, might as well work. We need to have a word about your work-life balance. <laughs> or lack oh, of. Okay. Right. <laughs> but well, no, I, yeah, no, otherwise, but otherwise, yeah, just been some crazy times, which I'm sure we're about yeah. to talk about. Well, I'll tell you what we did. We'd spent the first two weeks of May traveling, went to Thailand with Shane and oh. did a rally of the troops, went to visit all the portfolio companies which she hadn't seen, went to a club for the first time in two years. That was surreal. Hold on a second. Are you trying to tell me you go clubbing on a regular basis? Yeah, I, I sadly, do, yeah. uh, I yeah. Monday, looking Wednesday, at you, I don't think, I think you're too old now to be allowed <laughs> so, in, right? The, the, like literally just, if you haven't been to a club for two years, going into a club, they, they make you do ART tests before you go in. But then, and in a real like government, someone sticks it up your nose. And, I mean, but even, still, even I surreal. haven't been to yeah. a club in like... No, because oh, Miami was not a club, okay, right? <laughs> I just immediately censored myself. Yeah, that, 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 that would not be correct. And then we did Jakarta. And the crazy thing about Jakarta is you couldn't get a flight. Like everyone's yeah. back. It's so hard. Yeah, I've been hearing that too. And then last week, we just came back from the open space four-day offsite in Phuket where we got everybody together. And man, 30 people who haven't seen each other for a very long time. Yeah, there was a fair amount of partying and, and, and alcohol. Also helps when you have as management so fees. As, <laughs> that was a really good As there should be. As, as there should exhausted. be. Yeah, I, should be I, I thought, I, I was aware. I was like, oh my God, you guys exhaust me. And then, you know, Freddie's like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm exhausted too. And I was like, yeah, I'm exhausted. So I feel confident that it's not an age-related thing. It was just, everybody was glad to see each other. So that was nice. It's fantastic. It's a team spread all across Southeast Asia. Yeah, Everyone team spread. Down. I mean, I hadn't seen, it was, it was amazing. I was like, oh, hi. You're taller than I expected, you know, like, because we had hired people, like, we haven't met these people. And it was just a great moment. And I'm just glad that, you know, COVID is, I'm officially calling COVID over. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Because I, once because, COVID because you're calling monkeypox into the, the situation yeah, now. Because now, like, now that, that I've called COVID over, I'm going to call winter is here. Yeah. <laughs> As we can rapidly move to oh, the God. topic du jour, which we have prepped well. Are we ready to answer all the questions? You're not sending about? any decks to all of us on how to handle no, ourselves during no, COVID. No, are you? Okay, just no. check. So I'm going to tell. I'm going to set it up, and I you know for all the founders and the people in the ecosystem. I mean, what a eight weeks, twelve weeks we've had. And I still remember sheepishly saying a couple of episodes ago that, oh yeah, this year is going to be perfectly fine. Just keep it. And it's not. It is just, I don't want to talk about the stock market. I don't want to talk about crypto market. I don't want to talk about the bond market. So is winter really, really here, especially in Southeast Asia, right? So I'll give you some stats. Well, the first thing that a lot of people have been telling me is that they think that, you know, in many ways, this is the first time a generation of founders are going through a cycle, right? The last cycle was like 2009, 2010. Certainly, this is the first time I'm going through a cycle as a venture capitalist. And, and I don't count uh, COVID. COVID was a traumatizing time. And then last year was like the greatest all-time funding year that we've seen in the past 10 years, right? So Vishal, Michael, when we started, it was like, just to give a context to the listeners, right? If you did a billion, a billion five in total funding that year, we were like, wow, that's a good year. 2021 estimates was at 12 to 14 billion of venture funding. 
and contrast that with 2020 when we think it was like a seven to nine billion sort of actual year. And you know, we, we, I cut our data, our open space proprietary data, we tracked everything and we managed to identify at least $6.5 billion worth of deals done in 2020 and $11 billion of deals done in 2021. So that's almost in, in our books, at least a 75 to 80% increase in fundings, right? So what does people think, right? Now that are we gonna have a, a, a blockbuster year like we had last year or winter is here, reasonable or unreasonable? I think personally from, from Cocoon's point of view, I think it's very unreasonable from where we, we, we stand. You know, we, we hear all of the letters that we've seen from like Sequoia and EF and the such saying, you know, it's going to be for another three years. So I think that I'll break it down to, you know, as Cocoon, we're pre-seed and seed investors. I don't think valuations have got out of hand and the companies that we're investing in at this stage, it's normally not spend, spend, spend. It's like cash conservation. It's like how, you know, make the money last as long as possible until you can find product market fit. So a lot of the companies in our portfolio are still at that stage where they're like, okay, we, we might have to make the money last longer, but that's what they've been looking but, to but do from I, the beginning. I'm going to challenge you. Like you probably have some companies that are coming back to market, right? They've just found product market fit maybe three, six months ago and time to actually put the pedal to the metal, raise money from open space and a few other guys. And you're not seeing all of us here going, no, we're not going to do it. Michael sucks, man. Market sucks. I love your Good. company. Good companies will always raise funding. And also the valuations are reasonable. We don't, because a lot of the investments we're making are in, I would not say like sexy verticals. We do like deep tech and enterprise tech. The investors on the whole that are investing at the later rounds of these are not going after those massive valuations. Okay. All of our companies can actually show in terms of the enterprise, they can show revenue, they can show a proper business model. It's normally based on traction. So it's business as usual, it's still it's really it's, difficult to it's, raise it's, money just generally in life generally. anyway. Yeah. The one other oh, thing I would yeah. also add in just jumping in there is, yeah, yeah. I've lived through actually a couple. So I've been investing during the dot-com boom mm. and bust, plus, you know, the 2000 kind of eight, nine time. People always say when, when it starts, this is gonna be for the next two to three years. Fundamentally though, people have very short attention span, like within six to nine months, normally people kind of readjust to the norm. And I think also investors have raised funding. So if you look at how much money has been raised, like you gave us numbers yeah. based on, how much has been invested. But if you look at how much has been raised, VCs can afford to sit on that money for maybe like six months. But at some point in time, they have to actually deploy that money because they want to go off and be able to raise. So you're the rest talking of about money. all the recent fundraisers that the yeah. Southeast Asian venture capital funds have raised the 400 million, the 600 yeah. million, the X number of big, big things that happened in 2021. Yeah. They have to go and deploy that. Yeah. Okay. Vishal? Look, there are a few points over here, right? The first is, there's been a lot of money that's been raised in Southeast Asia yeah. to be deployed in yeah. Southeast Asia. And, you know, fund managers, bless their hearts, no one's giving money back to LP saying they're not enough investable opportunities that we see in the market. Even open space doesn't do that, yeah. right? So no. people are gonna find opportunities to deploy that capital into. Now the question is, are there enough investable opportunities within market? And do you think that those investment opportunities can be right priced or underwritten correctly on what their future growth prospects are right now? Now, a lot of money has been raised, like I said earlier. What is the timeline in which that money is going to last? If you're raising an average you know, Series A fund now in Southeast Asia is half a billion dollars, that deployment cycle is like about you know, two to three years. Do you think so, you're going to stretch it out to four? 
I don't think so because I think that the universe of investable opportunities within Southeast Asia is great enough to meet that demand. Instead, what I think is going to happen is that funds are likely to increase the mandate either geographically investing heavier in another country that they think that there are some synergies or alternatively going maybe a stage higher and deploying a little bit more in the follow-on investments that can exist okay, in the portfolio. So what you're saying is they'll, they'll still have a good sense of quality and if the price is right, they're actually going to double down there because they've got you know the, the funds and they need to deploy it. So if they're thinking of putting four, they'll go, why don't we just put six? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And, and that's exactly what we're seeing happening as well, because yeah. there's a sort of like a, a, a flight to quality in some ways, right, of, of deals that you see. Is there a sectoral flight to quality as well? Like, you know, maybe Indonesian fintech, is that something? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> uh, that's a bit of a, you know, interesting category right now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure my mother's also invested in Indonesian fintech at this point <laughs> but, in time. But you, but you look at it though, right? I think... I agree with you up to a point, but also a lot of funds, you know, if you look at the valuations of last year, I would say a lot of the latest stage funds are probably going to have to spend quite a bit of the money and time actually supporting the businesses that they've raised. Because definitely at the later stage companies, the valuations were getting quite on the toppy side. Cash burn was, was quite high and it's always hard to kind of cut back. So I agree that money is going to go after the good deals, but there's still a lot of kind of good deals, maybe just raised a bit too much money, started yeah. growth too much. Yeah. I mean, Ian, this is your kind of area. So, But that's a good segue because what you were talking about, Michael, is what we affectionately in open space call the bomb squatters, right? So there are, have been, right? For those of you who haven't noticed already, like a whole bunch of crossover funds and funds that don't really have a big presence in Southeast Asia. I'm talking about Tiger Global, Insight Partners, Ribbit Capital. We can't put Head of Sophia there because, you know, <laughs> some of our colleagues are already there. But, you know, Goodwater, even Axel from India, they'll come in, Axel from the US. They'll come in, they'll fly in, they'll drop a couple of big bombs and they fly out, right? So we call them the bomb squatters. And just to give you a sense of how influential, or how impactful that, you know, we did a study some open space proprietary data. Vishal, is that okay with you? Can I, can I do it? So bomb squad involvement, right? All these guys, that was an amazing thing because in 2020, they deployed $286 million. In 2021, they deployed $2.4 billion. 10x increase. And they went from you know, representing about 1.3% of the deals to 4% of the deals. Right, so they're doing. They were still very selective. They only did like four percent of deals, but in twenty twenty one, that four percent of deals, right, represented you know in that category about two point four billion dollars of capital that went in. And this is obviously uh, we when we cut the data, just to be very clear, not all two point four came from the bomb squatters because in every one of these rounds they had like you know the existing investors in, but the deals that involved you know, these big Tiger, Vala, Insight, which they probably set the price. That went from 1.3% of the number of transactions to 5% of transactions. They went from 4% of the capital to 20% of the capital. So in 2021, one in five of these deals were sort of bomb squatter led or bomb squatter involved. And I think that's the, you know, that's why it, it, it created 19 unicorns in, in 2021. So the question is to all you guys is, you know, what were they doing? Were they paying, you know, I always said they were paying Series C pricing for Series A, B deals. What do you think they, they're going to do uh, in 2022? So two points from the uh, 
quote unquote open space proprietary yeah. data, right? One of the data points that I think is relevant over here is that what fraction or percentage of total capital that bomb squatters have raised does that even represent? It's probably a rounding error in the greater scheme of things, the amount of capital that's been deployed in Southeast Asia by then in general. So I don't think it really affects from the bomb squatters perspective any returns for them in any meaningful way, at least on the downside, right? On the upside, it could be, could be, could be relevant, but on the downside, probably not. The second thing is, I'm not sure they are leading most of those rounds. And I think that they have been rounds that come after they come in, purely from signaling perspectives, from other investors willing to mark that up. I'd go so far as to say that I think that, at least, I mean, a number of the entrepreneurs that I've spoken with a great example would be who've taken money from Tiger, mm. find them extremely valuable to the companies and they're willing to take the, you know, like the, the, the $20 million check or the $50 million check that comes with no strings attached yeah, straight into the companies for the signaling that having Tiger on your cap table gave you. I mean, that's been giving them not just in 2021, but even before that. So I'll give you another piece of open space proprietary data. <laughs> can <laughs> we just you're absolutely can we right. abbreviate that? Yeah. OPD. Yeah, OPD. Okay. Okay. Hit, me OPD. Up, hit me with no, some Because OPD. you're absolutely right. Like we, we cut it, you know, if we actually dived right down to the deals that we identified that were done by all these uh, crossover funds, it was 661 million in 2021, right? So call it $700 million, of which basically 400 million went into Series A and Series B. So the bulk of that money went into exactly what you th you say you're doing. And these guys are in the business of writing the $500 million check pre-IPO or Series E. In Southeast Asia, they were doing the Series, they were buying the option value. That's it. That's it. Why not, right? Have a seat at the table early on. It's not going to cost you anything. It's a rounding error compared to the fund size that you have. But the upside value that you know, you can generate from it can be significant, especially if you can participate in a meaningful way later. Many of these funds go to founders and say, hey, look, we're cash only. We're not going to sell any boards. We're not going to do anything. We'll give you a meaningful size check. And if you need any help, just give us a call. So in, are Southeast Asian founders now used to that? I mean, that's a great deal. And it is a great are they, deal. Are they sort of like still looking for these deals in 2022? Are you, are you seeing people going, oh, I wish, I wish they were still doing this? Let's be realistic or reasonable about this, which is, Everyone wants more money to be available more freely in any yeah. ecosystem. No one doesn't want that to happen from, at least at least from, a, if you're a founder building a company, of course you want easy money that's yeah. available to you. And I'm not saying that this is easy money, but at least in an ecosystem in which there's an abundance of capital and many different players are investing, it's easier for you to build as a founder. The difficulty happens when those players responsible for investing all that capital suddenly pull back, yeah. right? And stop or pause or change strategy because that affects the escalator of capital, right? Which is you move from Series A to Series B to Series C to Series C. So who's gonna who's going to then support the company at that same valuation that's been set by someone else when there's some sort of uncertainty in the ecosystem? And here's what I think happens. I think that what happens is that other people step in to properly underwrite those deals. And properly underwriting does not mean writing down. All it means is saying, okay, if this is a good company and this is a company that is growing, how can we price it? What can we invest? And how can we sort of like support it in its growth trajectory? And we're seeing that with portfolio companies happen. Some people are definitely having a harder time raising, but most of the companies that we're seeing that are raising later stage rounds right now are finding capital. It's coming from different sources, yeah. but it does exist. Another behavior that we're seeing is that deals are being clubbed more often, which is even at Series B, C, 
you're effectively having like a, you know, pre-seed style party round take place where eight different VC firms are participating on the same cap table. And that makes me think about what does ownership look like for these firms? Why are people willing to engage in this behavior? And it might be because of a perceived scarcity of deals. Yeah, again, the flight to quality. Flight and to quality. quality. Michael, you... you th- I, I would say, I, I would agree and disagree in terms of like the, for the original question. So I totally agree is that... How PC of you? Oh, uh, the PC oh, guy calling you PC. PC. Oh. I, so no, my thoughts on that are, I think the valuation, like the money that came in last year from you know, the the Tigers and such, I think is actually a great thing because I think it kind of shows that the people globally, people are seeing the opportunity of Southeast Asia. And I think, you know, beforehand it was very much local. And I think globally now people are saying Southeast Asia is a market that we've got to be in, even from a starting point. And that's, for me, the positive. I think the problem that you have is the kind of more money, more problem kind of yeah. kind of comment is a lot of these com- companies it. were raising way too much money way too early that they could actually deploy in a sensible way yeah. and at valuations that were very rich. Yeah. So I'm kind of seeing something slightly different in the market at the later rounds now. I think companies now are really having to look at where their burn is and actually taking some severe cuts, which is why you're seeing kind of huge layoffs going around because I think people are saying, well, actually, now we've really got to look at, can we actually make money? Can we generate? It is going to be harder to fundraise if it be it for six months, 12 months. Yeah, and I think funny, valuations huh? now, are now becoming Now actually making profit is a fashionable thing. Yeah. You know, is, but it happens every single yeah. time. This is, this is just like this the cycle that you go so through. predictable. We've been yeah. in this situation before all the time. Every time there seems to be a rough patch in the economy, people are like, oh, it's time to buckle down and focus on profits and, and growth. And but then this is changes why, and exuberance happens. And you know, you know, Heen was being very polite. I mean, some of the, you know, Sequoia was, were there two or three year that they're kind of, the winter is coming, it's going to be two or three years down, down the line. I fundamentally think that's just scaremongering. I don't actually, it's never happened before. So I don't know why they're suddenly saying yeah, it's going to be such a... It's not just Sequoia. We shouldn't just see yeah, that. No, I think it's, I think it's yeah, a huge, words, huge yeah. it's a huge, it's I've a number of people. I've seen the number of LinkedIn posts yeah, I've seen. This is you know? like RIP Good Times is oh, all, Jesus, over, yeah. all over LinkedIn. And it's not just a call out. It's, it's plenty of people that are doing it. Let's take a cynical view. Not mm. saying any of these views represent my own views. Maybe they do. PC. Uh, Michael's gonna. Michael's PC. gonna. Michael's stabbing me with his eyes. Right. Michael's stabbing me Do with his eyes. Do tell us about right the now. views. Yeah. Um, so, so cynical perspective. It's actually extremely self-serving because if you're going out telling entrepreneurs, "Oh, hey, folks, it's so difficult to raise capital right now. You're gonna have a really hard time." You have like three thousand likes on LinkedIn on this post of yours, and you then go to the same entrepreneur and say, "Hey, you know what? But I'm here to support you." Oh. Here's a here's a sort of like a bridge or an extension or a or you know a new a round that at half the valuation. Oh, that's so cynical. I would never do that. And, I, uh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, and of course not. Of course not. You aside, but it is it is the behavior is it, it can be quite self serving, and we've true. seen it be self serving before. I'm not saying it is yeah, all the all, all the times, but it definitely sets it up for that thing to happen. It's also that that view then generates certain trickle-down effects in the entire ecosystem where people who have capital but may not be thinking from first principles or having a mind of their own when it comes to deploying it, follow that same playbook and just become lemmings or, you know, like copycats in where people are deploying capital, 
who to back in terms of which entrepreneurs to back and things like that. So it has it has some negative trickle down effects, I think, as well. So I'm, I'm going to be much more cynical about it, which is that, you know, I was talking to a colleague of mine and they were saying, you do realize that the parties only stopped in Southeast Asia for one week. And I didn't really quite understand that. And and actually it's true because what what's happening is as follows, like for the crossover funds, which have a very big public market exposure, they've been marking down their portfolios since December, January, February. But as venture capitalists, you only mark down you know, on a quarterly basis. And we're sort of somewhere in early June now. And that means that they only just reported, us included, 60 days after the quarter. So we've only just reported Q1 numbers to our LPs. And the challenges, and I'm going to be technical about this, which is there is a accounting standard called IFRS 13. And what IFRS 13 forces us to do is a fair value assessment. And historically, what people have done is just taken what the last round was, and that's your fair value. But IFRS 13 now requires that if you haven't done a round after 12 months, you cannot use the last round. I repeat, you cannot use the last round. You have to then go and do your markup based on market comps. So let's give an example. Say, for example, you were a hot Indonesian crypto fintech startup and you did a deal in June of 2021, and Tiger gave you a whole bunch of money and you're at this mark. Well, by June 2022, you cannot use the Tiger mark anymore. You have to change and look at what the public comps, look at where Coinbase is, look where Robinhood is, and then suddenly your mark is under significant pressure. And that has only just happened. And so I think that a lot of these people are now, a lot of the VCs are now starting to think, wow, why are like my junior VC colleagues forcing me to do high valuation deals? You know, I, I'm, I'm sitting down here on the investment committee. Uh, historically, we've held a lot of pressure to do this, but people are now going to push back and say, no, we're not going to do these high deals anymore because the marks are starting to hit and the LPs are starting to tell them what's going on. And I think this has only happened in the past one, two weeks. Where you will see a long-term impact, because I don't think in terms of, we're looking at it very much at, at you know what's going to happen the next six to twelve months. But if we're looking from a VC point of view, what will actually happen this year is last year there was records amount of funding for VCs. Yeah. The problem is is that you know the funds that were going to go out this year if they haven't already closed no, or we're thinking of started they're, they're just they're, they're, they're screwed. They're, they're not going to be yeah. able to, to fundraise. And these are the funds that are going to be going out next year and the year after. Yeah. So there's going to be a gap or kind of yeah. flattening there's of the loss funds vintage. that are available. There's a loss of vintage. You know, yeah. And I think that's going to have the longer term impact for Southeast Asia. Because also the only people who are going to be able to fundraise are, are fundamentally the, the VCs that have already got a track record. Yeah. Those that were looking to come up and you always need new funds coming through. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lack for the next like 12 to 18 months. And I think that's going to have a bigger impact than the valuation correction or the funding correction that we're actually going through, you know, for the next six to nine months. So that's double sobering because I just painted a quite sobering point of how in the next six months, everybody's marks are going to be under pressure and we're going to have to fight to do, you know, maybe less deals. But what you're saying is that some of these funds or the whole vintage might not even exist. My goodness, Vishal, 
I don't know. I think the best managers and the best funds will continue to go out and raise capital. And especially if your in- investor base is institutional, they will continue to back existing relationships and managers because that's the way that their mandates are also, but that's are also drawn out. But, but you always see, need that new. new. Okay. So then it tests, and I'll tell you what it tests, right? It, it tests a few things. I think it tests, number one, the ability personality of new managers to actually raise capital your salesperson at the end of the day when you're raising capital right like how well can you sell in a down market and what are you saying the opportunities are if it's the same playbook for a normal market and you're going out there raising you know uber is a ride hailing company is a car company with no cars <laughs> and hey you're you're fucked you can't raise capital with a deck like that right but if you're if you're saying now is the best time to raise a fund because some of the best opportunities or yeah. best companies have been born during times of crises. And let me give you an example of this with some 500 global proprietary data. Is that um, FPD? Startups, that's FPD, yeah, F, yeah, yeah, 5PD, you know, yeah, like, or something like that. Startups born pre-recession, like let's talk about the 2008 recession. 2007, Dropbox, Tumblr, Glassdoor, Beats by Dr. Dre, MongoDB were founded. 2008, year of the recession, Airbnb, Twilio, which is oh, one of yeah. our portfolio companies, GitHub, which is one of our portfolio companies, Yammer. And 2009, year right after the recession, Slack, WhatsApp, Pinterest, Square, and drumroll, Uber, all founded in that three-year tight band of when the recession had taken place, right? So great companies will be formed regardless of the macroeconomic environment because startups are not a macroeconomic play, right? You're actually going against the green and saying, here's an opportunity, here's what I wanna build, it's gonna challenge a convention, and if you're not up for challenging a convention that exists, whether it's in a macroeconomic market or whether it's a dominant business practice, you're not gonna build a great company. But that's why I was saying earlier, as a seed fund, this is actually a perfect time for us. I also agree, man. You, Michael, we're gonna crush it. Exactly, because we also have the situation <laughs> of, yeah. you get rid of the good time entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who kind of, oh, I'm gonna become an entrepreneur now because it's cool, it's kind of, it's very glamorous. The people now that are willing to go out there and start a business, I would say are more of the hardcore are really willing to like work and you get rid of the kind of fly by night kind of founders. So for me, this is like a really exciting time for me as an entrepreneur. It's not just at the earlier stage where you can find great opportunities because great entrepreneurs will build regardless of market. It's even in the later stage at growth because if you're a VC sitting, looking at what's happening in the ecosystem, you have a lot of phenomenally underpriced assets just because the fundraising environment may be a little bit, perceived to be a little bit harder. And because founders will continue to need to raise regardless of the timeline, you can come in no one is saying that you need to be unfair, but you can price a deal well and get into companies when no one else is creating unnecessary bidding dynamics. Yep. So it's not about undercutting a deal, shafting anyone, giving them a bad term sheet. It's about being able to really get into first principles and say, what is this company and what are these founders made of? Underwrite it well and offer a sheet in an environment where bidding dynamics are not making the price that you have to pay bananas crazy like it was in 2021. That's exactly what we're seeing. So, Because you, you know I have a growth fund nowadays, right? Congratu- congratulations. <laughs> Look at no, that. So you I, too? I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that thought because uh, 
what I've always been saying in a very PR fashion is that we're looking for great companies at great prices. And, you know, it was really, it was a challenging environment for, for Jessica and her team at the growth fund to, you know, kind of look at things. It wasn't even just that they wanted a high price. They were pressuring you for a quick deal, limited information. And, you know, now you can do your due diligence. You can definitely check your corporate governance, which is so important. And, uh, I mean, we're structured as a firm to enjoy that kind of a thing, right? So... So I think that's absolutely on point, but it does, you know, go to your point, you know, Michael, you were saying earlier. I think, you know, the build up and I think a lot, a lot of the interest that was happening last year was around the exits, the the grabs, the gojeks, yeah. the property guru. And I do think that there's going to have to be a readjustment that is made. I, th- I do think that kind of exits that are expected this year are going to be pushed back at least like 12 months. And that's going to impact, again, it's going to impact the fundraising for a number of funds, which we know are for a lot of funds that they're relying on one or two companies to exit to be able to raise their next fund. And I think it also aligns with some of the expectations of founders as well. But again, investors have a short-term memory. They, I think 12 months time, we would have kind of, as, as, even if you look at COVID, we would have readjusted to the new norm. Like COVID, when COVID first hit, everybody was like, okay, this is going to be a disaster. All of these things are going to happen. Everybody kind of sat on their hands for the first six months. And then when things settled down and we had a bit more clarity, we then started, you know, investing again. People started going out yeah. there. And very, very quickly, within 12 months, we were having what you, you could argue with what you're saying, unreasonable valuations and unreasonable, with unreasonable expectations, especially at the, the later rounds. And I think the same thing will happen again this time. And I think the exits will just build up. They'll happen. I think that the road has been shown that it, yeah. is, that it can happen, I think is a good thing. Yeah, so I would reflect on my saying that, you know, certainly in the beginning parts of the journey of venture capital, 2010 to 2016, reporters will ask you, but there's no exits and when are the exits are going to happen? So maybe what you're saying is that at least now the viewpoint is that the exits have stopped for about 12 months, but the companies are at scale already. And maybe the only thing is just the timing for the dividends and the, what we call DPI, right? So our LPs are waiting for the, finally after mm-hmm. seven, eight years, the cash to come back. But it's not a Southeast Asian thing, it's a global. Yeah. So I think that's also, the other, you know, it's not like it's, the exits have just stopped here, but they're happening everywhere else. Yeah. I think across the board. So again, we're kind of becoming more into the global conversation rather than just saying, oh, it's Southeast Asia, you'll never get exits there, you just bump no. a lot of money no. and then nothing will actually happen. So we're in, in, in the conversations now is if you believe long-term for Southeast Asia, as Vishal was saying, this is definitely the right time to be investing. And just the expectation of when those exits are going to happen, you're just going to have to yeah. wait slightly longer. But you know they will happen, yeah. and there is a route. Yeah, to go. that's why all these doom and gloom emails just paint too. Just you know, yeah, I think they're a little bit self-serving, yeah. and, and you know, like it's 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 always a great time to build. It's great clickbait. Let's, let's think. Yeah, exactly. It's great clickbait. People love reading about that stuff and then resharing it and saying, "Yeah, here's some lessons yeah. that." you know, we'll tidy well. And you know what? Even if we are totally wrong about it, it still sounds like good advice. Great. <laughs> okay. But here's the thing about exits, right? Which is, I think the answer is actually a lot simpler, which is if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to exit your company, you also want to make sure that that exit price looks good. It's a good price, right? And you're likely to be successful on that exit because your shares are also going to be locked up in that particular market. 
So if you are seeing what's happening in the public markets right now, it's prudent even if you're acting in your own pure self-interest to delay that. And most founders aren't just acting in their own self-interest. They're thinking about their employees and the value of the shares that they've given them, the investors that are also sitting on the boards of those companies or who have invested in those companies along the journey. So it's in everyone's interest to just delay it a little bit more. If you waited so long to build a company, what's another 12 months going to yeah, do, right? And, and I'll tell you that, that just obviously with Goto, with Grab, yeah. there's a, such a large sort of overhang of investors who rightfully need to diversify yeah. and sell to other shareholders because they can't hold it forever. Yeah. So there's definitely going to have some selling pressures. And the only way that all of us who hold these stocks are going to do well is if the companies do well. And, you know, there's the old saying that the stock market's a voting machine in the short run mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a weighing machine in the long run. You look at some of the deals, Absolutely. I'll be very specific about it. I think the, I think what's, what Grab did with Jaya is very interesting and GoTo just released their results where there was significant revenues growth. And they, although they've been spending a lot of money trying to get the synergies of Gojek and Tokopedia together, I mean, all these companies are not public companies. They have to deliver the results yep. and you have to be patient and you you have to believe that these companies will continue to do well and then only then will your share price do well. And if these companies don't do well, then your share price will be low irrespective of whatever shenanigans uh, or whether how bull market the, the market is. One of the things I've been seeing though, which I think shows more, I think for the maturity of Southeast Asia, is there's a number of platforms which are beginning to come, pop up looking at secondaries. Yeah. And I think you only actually see that when there are companies there that can actually support the volume in terms of, you know, people will still want to invest in this. There's always need to be some sort of liquidity event. And it always doesn't have to be like a, an exit on like NASDAQ yeah, or anything, yeah. a trade sale. So, but for me that they're popping up now is a really interesting kind of it, demonstration. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like if there's any time you want to be sitting on a large secondaries fund, now is the time because they're going to be a bunch of skittish investors that want to offload their shares, whether it's in private yeah. companies or funds mm -hmm. or things like that, which means given, and secondaries funds do well when, when the market seems doom and gloom and all of these mm -hmm. emails are running around because you can go up to these people and say, I'm willing to buy your shares at, you know, like 50 cents on the dollar, right? Or 60 cents on the dollar. Sell it to me. So but they'll only do mm. they'll only be around if there's quality there that they still want to see the quality. It's not of course you're I not going to buy anything. And I think that's yeah. where I think that's where the big difference is now. If you came if you talked three four years ago, there probably wasn't enough quality deals so I'm or gonna, companies there that to be able to do it. I'm going to throw another thing in. No one talks about SPACs anymore. Thank God. What, what's a SPAC? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do realize there were a couple of SPACs that were raised. Now almost like 16, 18 months, right? And it's a 24 month window. So there's gonna be a couple of Southeast Asian specs, which, yeah. you know, if you're the promoter and you paid all that money to get your spec, if you don't de-spec, bye bye your money. Yeah, you wouldn't That's just spec next six, that. 12 months. All I would like to say is, I told you so. Ah, well done. Well, on that note, let's uh, try and wrap things up. Two questions and uh, quick fire round to Vishal and Michael. Yeah? What? what okay, you, what damn, I, uh, damn. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, didn't know about that. this section. Like, I didn't know about this section. <laughs> no, I just made this section Let's up. Let's go. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Hit me up. what do you do as a founder in this market environment? Quick fire, Vishal. I think we've already talked about this. You, I mean, like in general, if you're, if okay. you're thinking about starting a company, 
don't let whatever's happening in the macro environment weigh you down. Just continue to continue to build and grow those companies. And if you're the founder of a later stage company, just remember that in any crises like 500 proprietary data, um, <laughs> the time to raise is usually extended by three to four months. So just bake that into consideration when you're going out there to raise a new round that it's going to take a little bit longer to fundraise, but it yep. doesn't mean you can't. Michael? I would 100% agree with what Vishal said. And I would, I'd also say this is also the time to remember your current investors. Like yes. a, a, a lot of yes. a lot of think, founders. Think this of is Michael the, Blakey. Exactly. No, well, Meditate on Michael Blakey. Exactly. But the fu fundamentally, a lot of founders, like they raise money and they want to move on to the next investor, the next yeah. investor. This is the time that, you know, if funding does take longer, if things, if, if your revenue does drop or things take longer to actually happen, your current investors are going to be the ones that actually put, if they still, they'll know you best. If they still believe in you, they will continue to support you. So this is the time to actually pick up the phone, talk to them and say, this is where we are. Keep them up to date. Don't have that phone call saying we need 5 million because we don't have enough money to pay payroll next next week. Yeah, could we have Ooh. it on Thursday, okay, please? And, like, and they were like, <laughs> who are you? Oh, yeah. oh no. <laughs> and then Michael calls here. Okay. Well, I'll try and sum it up. Number one, hearing that the crossover funds are pulling back, well, that's just what it is. Number two, the good news is the regional funds have massive fundraising cycles. So there are lots of brand new funds with lots of uh, pressure to deploy. So they do want to do deals, but uh, at a good price. And number three, if you were a fintech, crypto, high-octane Indonesian startup, you were never in the crossover money running anyway. Mm -hmm. Number four, maybe there's a bit of an information bias. Maybe there's a lot of people writing lots of posts on LinkedIn, doom and gloom, and life is not that bad. And last, number five, be prepared for lots more due diligence, lots more corporate governance checks. But yeah. in the downturn, like Ayrton Senna said, when it's raining, that's the time you can cut 11 cars and get to pole position. So... Maybe that's what the founders need to know. I feel we've got to publish the antithesis, unreasonable, yeah, you know, antithesis, yeah. unreasonable, doom and gloom. Yeah, uh, you know, there's the LinkedIn the, post that says, "Come yes. on, guys, it's par for the course." Yeah, sunshine and rainbows by the unreasonable oh, podcast. Sunshine and that. rainbows. <laughs> so, what are you guys gonna do until we next see it? It's uh, mid June ish. Uh, we're gonna. You're going to go on a holiday again? You're going to go back to the U.S.? You're going to take some time off, Vishal? I've got a couple of trips coming up, but plan on being here for a while. I, you know, I miss you guys too much, and we've got a couple of these episodes to lock in. Okay. Michael? I am taking my kids from over Singapore yeah. to meet my kids in the, in the UK, UK, which wow. they haven't actually done. <laughs> so I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter in the U.K. who have not met, yeah. has never met their bro her brother and sister, so... That's going to be my uh, task for the end of June. So really excited about that. And you're not going to look at your phone and you're not going to disconnect because we've talked about this for at least two episodes. Yes, you are. I can't Come make on. any promises. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. Well, I'm going to see you sexy faces for one more week. And then I'm attempting to go to an undisclosed location in Western Australia. Ooh. And uh, yeah, and bring my three-year-old on the trip for the first time. But it's very oh. nice. Lots of wine, lots of beaches, and lots of kangaroo parks, most likely. But um, that's going to be the uh, the end of June, and then we come back, guns firing, helping our portfolio companies, building companies, one entrepreneur at a time in July. That's the plan. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, this has been an interesting pod. I certainly think it was. I, I really good to see everybody. Tune in soon, and we'll hopefully see you soon on the Unusable Podcast. Good night, everybody.